James. Uh, can my band play at your bar? Only if you bring your dog strollers, wagons, and, and toddlers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> on, on this throwback episode... <laughs> This was, you know, I, I've said a couple times now. This might have been our first rant. This was a real rant. This was a big time rant. Of, yeah, yeah. Of things not to go ask your brewer friends. I I don't know that I that I saw it a whole lot out of like the first things out of hop growers' mouths when they go and, and try and sell sell to, to brewers. But it's like after the, maybe the second or third time you meet and you're sort of getting chummy, then the dumb questions start coming mm-hmm. up. Like, can my band play here? Yeah, my my, f- you you're 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 not buddies, okay? You are a customer and merchant, mm-hmm. <laughs> so knock it off. And, and to some degree, this episode was we we took a little bit of a step away from from hop grower questions into just general, you know, what what brewers hate to hear, what brewers hate to have to fend off. Uh, so it wasn't all necessarily questions coming from growers, but just questions coming from. Either friends or you know regulars who think they're your friends. Exactly. My, my favorite was, "Can I sell my custom painted Dungeons and Dragons figurines at the bar?" <laughs> I have seen all sorts of stuff just all over the travels that we've we've done. Various rando brew pubs we go into, little like tchotchke stands of. I'm just like that has got to be somebody's aunt making those crocheted beer cozies. I mean, like, what is this about? Uh, well, you know, it's 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 a business. <laughs> it's not your it's not your business. It's their business. That's just you know. I, I think this episode is all about all just the. Some of it was you know sarcastic. Obviously, mm-hmm. imagine that. But some okay. of it was uh, is all based on reality. The things that we've seen or heard over the years and the the amount of just facepalm cringe things people ask for at breweries or microbreweries or um, brew pubs as as you're sitting at the bar pretending like you're not paying attention to other people's conversations uh it's 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 mind-boggling it is james let's chat That's that never ends well. No, no, it never does. We've got kind of a potpourri of things that people are asking about, so none of them relate to each other. We'll just we'll just have a little conversation. All right, let's start with, for the love of God, people, do none of you know how to rate things on iTunes? Ah, that would be good. We need this. We, we need it. We do. We want to be in the the new and noteworthy section of iTunes, which means we only need about four hundred more of you to tell us you like us. Well, there's got to be at least half of that many in Lithuania. Oh, gosh. I can't wait to Lithuania. Yeah, I, I, Eduardo, we're waiting to hear from you to find out what's going on, man. We, uh, um, I'm expecting to get a call from them to, you know, be visit for a conference or... Uh, oh, that would be great. ...be in a parade of some sort. None of our none of our friends from and listeners from other countries invite us to be speakers. I mean, no. come on, guys. I am, I am all about our Lithuanian contingent. <laughs> this is going to be awesome. It is. It absolutely is. So please give us some ratings 
Uh, also, we're, we're still, um, for a little bit longer, taking some submissions for our contest. If you are looking at growing or you're a starting grower and you want to run your program past us, we would love to give some advice and or rip it to shreds and just, just have some fun talking about some real-world examples of how folks are growing. So we always like to hear real-world examples of what's going on out there other than the things that just exist in our heads. Um, mm. Of which there are many more things than we talk about on the air. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that's a whole. It's a whole other podcast, right? So uh, we we love to hear from you. As you've all heard, we we shout out to our our listeners when you give us questions and when you give us feedback. So if you want to be world famous in the hopnology community, just just reach out. That's all you got to do. It will usually be nice. Well, I will usually. Yeah. Well. So let's see. One of the questions that we get quite a bit is about varieties. And I live in, you know, Bumble, whatever. And what varieties grow best here? So should we make a plaque that says it depends? Yeah, that would be good. Mm -hmm. Or I should, all the hopnology peeps are going to get a it depends tattoo. Oh, nice. Temporary or, yeah. or for life? Your choice. Ooh. We'll see how dedicated you really are. <laughs> Where on the body does that go out of curiosity? No, don't ask, don't tell. Oh boy, I think there is a a fourteen and up rating on this podcast, but this might there might need to be a higher rating for that conversation. <laughs> Maybe <sighs> I don't know too many fourteen year old hop growers, but I digress. That in a in, in a year we'll be discussing the fact that that's where the market is heading is to these um these preteen yeah. hop growers is the new thing. But so back on topic, what were we talking about? Uh, we're talking about <laughs> what to grow where and why. Oh, right. Oh, well, why is, why do we grow anything? Um, what to grow where, uh, variety-wise, let's see, without being facetious. Yeah, good luck you got You got to figure it out for yourself, mm -hmm. what grows best for you. As we've talked in several podcasts back about what grows on my farm well does not grow well 200 miles away from me for whatever reason it happens to be. So microclimate and your your farm conditions dictate to a much larger degree what you can grow and how well you can grow it uh, than any other factor. Having said that, there are some constraints. And the biggest constraint for new growers who really aren't up to speed yet on the in the industry is um, I want to grow mosaic or I want to grow citra or I want to grow you know, whatever it happens, all the hot stuff. Well, you can't. And it's not that you can't because of your location or microclimate. You can't because they are patent protected and owned by another company. So there's that constraint. So what varieties can I grow? Well, you can't grow the patent protected ones. Sorry. Uh, you can't get a license for them. Sorry. So what's that leave you with? Well, it leaves you with open source varieties. Okay, well, James, what, what variety should I grow? I live in New Zealand. Well, that's an awful lot of territory. Uh, where in New Zealand? You could be in the mountainous region. You could be in the flats region where the Kiwi are. What are, you, what are you doing? Where are you? That has the biggest impact. What we find is that there are families of hops that tend not to do great with wide temperature fluctuations, day-night temperature fluctuations, and they don't do well with high heat and humidity. And 
the, most of those are the noble type varieties. So anything the hollow tower, anything in saws, anything in uh, the golden golding lineage, really don't like wild swings in microclimate whatsoever. They struggle. They may not even flower some years. They they don't yield. So keep that in mind. And there's at least one person listening to this right now, probably in Lithuania, who has wide temperature fluctuations and has the best saws in the universe. So there are, so there there is no hard and fast rule. Right, that's correct. What we found is that we could grow saws here in South Central Wisconsin, easy peasy, and it grows better than it does in a lot of cases in the Czech Republic. But again, I go. 100 miles south of me into Illinois, and it's too hot for it to really thrive there in most places. There will be pockets and uh, you know here and there where somebody's like, oh, I grow saws and not a problem. I'm like, no, I, I understand the plant will grow, but will the plant thrive. produce yeah. a, a, uh, a commercial yield is really what it comes down to. And we've talked before about the fact that you can't um, as you said, you know, your neighbor is growing different things than you are, and um, everyone's microclimate is so different. This is no different than starting out in the stock market. You're going to diversify. You're not going to throw all your money and all your time into one thing. You must do pockets and try different things and just see what works for you because it's not all about the temperature where you are. It's about your soil. It's about the wind patterns. It's about a little bit of everything. And it's about your personal habits as a farmer and the things that maybe you focus on or don't focus on where some varieties will work for you and some won't. That's that's it. I mean, that's really all anybody's going to be able to tell you. Try them all. Try them all. There's some, some varieties that will tolerate high heat and certainly wide fluctuations in temperature. Uh, and in my experience, it's Chinook and Nugget and Brewer's Gold. Really, anything out of that Brewer's Gold lineage uh, is really robust. Opinion, my hypothesis is that it's because it has a very uh, the, that whole lineage that comes off of Brewer's Gold has a very high degree of wild type genes still in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, f- certainly from North America. I mean, if you're going to survive in the wild, baby, you got to have what it takes. And and Brewer's Gold certainly can tolerate those those widely varying conditions, certainly with heat. You know, that's really all I can tell you is is you can grossly sort of categorize these plants um, based on your wildly swinging microclimate, uh, but. Other than that, you just got to try it. I mean, just to your point, Greg, somebody's going to say, well, I live in Australia and I grow great saws. Good for you, right? If you're happy with it, that's really all that matters. One that I could not get to grow for the life of me was, um, and survive, a few of them, Styrian Golding, Liberty, which is one of the four daughters or four sisters, Mount Hood, Liberty, Ultra, and um, Crystal. But uh, couldn't get that one to grow, couldn't get, but I could get Mount Hood to grow. Weird, right? Oh, yeah. We did um, well with Mount Hood. Yeah. And then um, Sriracha Ace. Mm-hmm. Could not for the life of me get those damn things to thrive. I just didn't have it. And, of course, there's a counterpoint here from a market perspective, which is that if, you know, you mentioned before the Chinook, a Nugget Brewers Gold are, are 
pretty tolerant of temperature fluctuations. So it's kind of an easy path to go, okay, I've got wild temperature fluctuations, that's where I'm going. Well, if you and everyone else is growing the same thing because it's easy, you've got no market advantage whatsoever. Right. So you do, not that I'm saying try all the hard ones, but try a bunch, see what works. There's work involved and, um, you know, everything's growable given the right amount of TLC. To your point about market, yeah, Brewer's Gold is fairly bulletproof, but there's really not much of a market for it. Yep. So are you really going to grow it? Uh, I loved it. It's a great hop, but it's not sexy. It's a great all-around multi-purpose hop, and for a long time it was the high alpha hop at coming in at a whopping eight and a half. <laughs> what's, what's, your, what's your angle here? Do you want to grow what's going to grow best for you even though you don't have a market for it? Well, what's the point of that? And you know, the other thing about the market, and we've talked about this before, is that it comes and goes much faster than your ability to pivot your hop yard. Mm-hmm. So you know, it takes three to four years to get full yield of something, and during that time, the market tastes can change. So t- very, test, very true. Test things out, try a bunch of stuff, see what works for you and what works for your market. There is no roadmap to your point, James. There's there's no list where we can tell you, oh, you're in West Virginia, grow these. So that was not helpful to anyone. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. Uh, maybe maybe it just reinforces, you know, somebody's, you know, they had a inkling and they haven't listened to the old podcasts. But no, I I think there is some some help there, just in terms of uh, the whole diversity thing trying different things. I think that's an important, especially if you're starting out. Um, if you're already growing well, then then you know what works. But if you're just mm-hmm. starting out and trying to decide where do I begin, you know, look at the market, look at what people are using. You can do that by walking through the beer aisle. Uh, one of the, the nicer trends in packaging, despite all the crazy colors and whatnot, is the fact that brewers are listing the hops on many of their beers when they're not taking up the label space with stupid words like milkshake. <laughs> so too many letters. Well, you can fit two or three different hop variety names in the number of characters it takes to write milkshake and piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what they're going to find though, Greg, is they're going to find a bunch of proprietary varieties. That very, very fair point. Very fair point. No one's advertising their use of brewer's gold because it's just a, uh, it's one right. of many at that point. Mm-hmm. Fair point. All right, so that's that's hop variety talk, I think. Yep. We're going to make a complete left turn and get back into the tap room here. <laughs> I like that left turn. Yes. <laughs> Always good. Uh, we had talked a while back about questions that as a, uh, as a brewer uh, or as a grower you should be asking each other. So we thought that we'd turn that on its side a bit and talk about things that consumers ask brewers most often in the tap room. Oh, nice. And the way I subtitled this was, you know, questions consumers ask brewers and how to answer them without throwing a punch. This is coming from, you did a lot of research for this, though, I, I, I'm understanding. As a, con- right? as a consumer asking a brewer a question, yes. Or sitting there and just observing. Mm-hmm. And because uh, we know what you do, what your hobby is, you go drop your kids off somewhere and then you go to the bar until they're done. Yeah, or usually 10 minutes after they're done. I get in trouble for being late very often. <laughs> I'm not going to leave a beer not finished. I mean, the kids That's can true. the kids can wait. The beer has a, a shelf yeah. life. 
Excellent priorities. All right. Spoilage. So what did yeah. you, you come up with? All right. What did you come up with? Well, the, the first one, and we've talked about this many times, the first thing so many consumers, and I'm just as guilty about this, is I walk into a brewer and say, what's new? And that's that rotational mindset that so many people have about wanting to try something different. We've talked about it from a packaging perspective as well as from being in a in a taproom perspective. But if you're not rotating your offerings on a fairly regular basis, people are going to find a reason to go somewhere else. Yeah. So the, the what's new – and you know your regulars – um, those are the ones who are asking the what's new question. Someone who's never been there before is just going to be deer in the headlights and, and not know what – they don't know what's new. Mm-hmm. But you'll know if when your regular asks what's new, if they just want to hear, oh, I got this great new IPA or, hey, you know, we tried something with this German yeast strain and we're using this particular hop for this one and we got the hops from that guy who lives down the road over there. You'll learn from your regulars what's important to them in the what's new category. I walked into one of my local places the other night and um, my favorite launch beer of theirs was their porter, which has been off tap for a while. And so as I walked in, they're like, Greg, we got a new porter on. I said, I don't, I'm not even close enough to read the chalkboard yet. Just pour it, please. <laughs> and? Um, it was good. Yeah? It was good. It was, you know, per my, my rant the other day, it was a pumpkin porter. Oh, boy. So, um, so we had a little chat about, about brewing methods and all that, which was fun. But it, it, it was a good beer. It was a good fall beer, even though it's still the summer. <laughs> Pureed. Puree, right? Uh, puree. I'm guessing. Yeah, puree. At this time of year, it's got to be. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Um, so let's, but 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 still a tasty beer. So that's the what's new thing, you know. What, yeah. Wanting, that, that's the most that's, common question you're going to get. It is. The, the On the flip side of your regulars who probably know what they're talking about, you'll get the, hey, I'm a fan of, you know, Blue Moon. Do you have anything that tastes like that? Oh, yeah, that's a total... Yeah. I hear that all the time when I'm sitting at the tavern. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's something where you need to decide what kind of tap room you are. I mean, some, look, plenty of plenty of them will also sell cans or bottles of something like that, more of a basic thing that'll bring in the crowd. Or maybe you have some, um, some varieties of what you've got on tap there that aim toward that market. You've got a lager, you've got a wit, some things that are, are more of your basic and that are not all highfalutin crazy with, with lots of flavors or, or lots of bite to them. Call that approachable. Yes, approachable. And we've spoken before. What is your most approachable beer? Hmm. <laughs> it's, the one two, it's the one two blocks down at that bar. <laughs> yeah, right? You know, we've talked about the fact that you want your, your bartenders your staff there to be very knowledgeable about what they're serving and to be able to have those conversations and to try and promote new things and get someone who walks in and says, I'd like a flight of IPAs to try something else. I was at a a brew pub a couple of weeks ago and James, I, I, I texted you the picture. I had, I had a wonderful farmhouse ale and I asked the waitress, what kind of hops are in here? What, what, what kind of yeast is in here? I'm curious about this. And she said, hold on, let me find out. So that was a strike because she didn't know. But she mm-hmm. came back with a huge stack of paper flipped open to the page that was the server's instructions on how to talk about this beer. 
Oh, that's interesting. Which was really great. I took a picture of it, and I, it was just – now, she obviously didn't learn it because she just handed me the paper. Hmm. But they had some very specific instructions on these are the types of foods this goes with. These are the types of beers you should compare this with. If someone's asking for X, suggest this one. So, you know, it, it's important to know how to indoctrinate your consumer that way. And if it's someone who's looking for something that tastes like brand X – What's the path? What's the entry path for them? Yeah, that's... Boy, I just had something and I lost it again. Oh. I am on a roll today. <laughs> yeah, you are. No, we t- we talked a few weeks back about this concept. I think it was when I was ranting about how brewers and tap rooms can do a disservice to their own beer when they just focus on what's new, what's new, what's new. And their, their serving staff doesn't know how to engage the consumer and say, what is it that you like? You know, what is it, what types of flavors do you like? What what don't you like is, is usually even more important. And how to talk about it and say, well, you might like this one because it's got a creamy mouthfeel. Oh, you don't like that. You like crisp and sharp and clean. Okay, then go over here and do this. Instead of just saying, what's new? Well, this one's pretty good. Or yeah, a lot of people like this one. Uh, you, at the very least, there should be some sort of of style of variety sheet that someone can turn to when they have questions and want more information instead of just the, I don't know. Right, right. You should, every person who works there, what's the old uh, hair club for men? You know, I'm not just a president. I'm also a client. Um, <laughs> everyone on your staff, nothing. you got to hire a bunch, of, a bunch of drunks, but they should know what they're talking about. They should be able to yeah. recommend with enthusiasm and knowledge of the thing. And I, I use the word indoctrination before, which is a little bit creepy, I suppose. But <laughs> to, to take those folks, if you come in and say, I'm looking for something that tastes like X, it means you really haven't bought into craft beer in general and and what the opportunities out there to try new things. So you need to work with that person a little more and and get them engaged in some of the great stuff because that's that's what allows you to put on later on a wee heavy or a gruit or you know some of these things that you don't see very often what else you got let's see what else do i have so here's one of this is another one that i'm guilty of can my band play here oh well okay. isn't it isn't it more and more nowadays that there's like at least one of the bar staff or maybe the manager that is like booking the bands and stuff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's someone's job because you you need to give people a reason to come in other than the beer because i'll be honest when i go in just for the beer all the time it starts to make me feel a little guilty that you know i, I need to find a hobby that doesn't just involve beer so if there's music playing or there's trivia night or something like that it oh well i'm really going for that social aspect and i might drink a whole bunch of beer when i'm there but I'm not just sitting in this. I'm not sitting in the corner at a stool, just just drinking and you know, looking at the crowd. That's that's a little sad. Uh oh. <laughs> did I did I go down a bad path? Uh, no comment. <laughs> Can my band play here? Can my band play here. Mm. That's where we started. So yes, I know that. Um, and again, I have been guilty of this as well. And I know that, that a bunch of the places that my bands over the years have played, very often we've been embraced with, hey, sure, let's, you know, here's the calendar. What kind of music do you play? Or sometimes, do you have a sample? Can I listen to you guys first? You need to have I a, would hope so. Yeah, Good Lord. Yeah, let's, let's see what you sound like before I, I put you in, in front of the group here. 
I know for my current group that I play in, we want to, we have have approached a place with a with a charity offer. We want to play and have people bring canned goods during the holidays and make it a donation type thing. We don't want any money. We just want to bring in a crowd to do uh, to do a food drive. Um, so you know that's that's different than hey, can my band play here and what do you pay? Ooh, D- yeah, depends on if you're good. trying to drum up some some actual business for your band. If you get to a point. Um, and that's what my, as a band person, that would be my advice is to walk in with, you know, let us play for free the first time and, um, let, you know, only once, only once. But after that, if you want to pay us, we'll come back. Sometimes that works, especially if you bring in a lot of your friends. That, that I could see. Yeah. Yeah. When you bring a crowd in, it's all good. (laughs) So you, you find that a lot of people come listen to your ska band when you're there? I mean... I didn't no, think ska, ska is a thing anymore. The, the, well, the, the, the ska band's been just been gone for a long, long time. We do sea shanties now. Oh, nice! That makes it, you know, and, and Irish Irish drinking songs. Mm-hmm. That makes total sense. Absolutely, we're a big Irish community here where I am in Connecticut. So <laughs> <laughs> nice! You just alienated oh. four listeners. <laughs> oh, gee, sorry, mm-hmm. four of them. Uh, mm-hmm. well, well, they'll be more more gone by the time we're done here. Mm. So, so along those lines, can my band play here? You know, from a self serving perspective, it's hey, I've got stuff I'd love you to sell. Can you hang my artwork on the walls? I, I've got some blown glass sculptures, maybe some custom painted Dungeons and Dragons figurines. You know what? <laughs> how, how, how I can see how this perfectly aligns with what your brewery is trying to do and do and the culture you've got going on. And I see, I see more and more art being hung mm-hmm. and sold at, or I should say, being hung and for sale at right. at tap rooms. I'm just curious. I'd love to know if anybody out there's actually bought any of that stuff. And, and how many beers you had before you did. Because, I mean, like at the Vintage here in Madison, they've got a bunch of wall art uh, wall art uh, from a metal sculptor. And it's just sheets of, of uh, anodized steel. Um, is it anodized or dyed? I don't remember. But it's all, like, you know, patterned with, like, swirly marks and grindy patterns in it. And, you know, they're, like, eight 900 bucks. I'm like... I mean, I'm not bashing the the artists at all, but I'm just like, who goes to a brewery and says, I love that, I have to have it. That wasn't the plan when you went out that night for a drink. Right. I mean, it would be one thing if it was like 80 bucks and people are like, oh, hey, I could deal with that, but 800 bucks? I don't know. But, I mean, I guess I could look at it too from from the brewer side and it's like, Hey, free stuff to hang on my walls. <laughs> and I think that's that's a part of it. Um, I know that Two Roads out here in Connecticut, which is right on the 95 corridor and growing by leaps and bounds, they have a rotating art gallery in their tap room. Rotating artists and the stuff is for sale. But I have to imagine for them, I don't know if they get a cut or not, but at the very least, it changes the scenery every once in a while. Yeah. It's got to bring in some people, similar to the band thing, where you're, you know, you know, your friends are going to come in and see your artwork hanging there. Of course, you're not buying your friends' artwork, but they have made that part of just their thing. And for them, I think to some degree, it's a way to stay locally connected. They're highlighting local artists, and that that's another kind of feather in the cap of local to uh, to promote the local arts community, whether that's the band thing or um, or highlighting an, an art gallery corner. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that can that can work, especially if um, if you're okay with with the rotation. And heck, if the artist is going to come in and do all the work, 
and you just need to have them come in and hang their stuff, great. It's it's not a lot of effort for you. I wonder what kind of liability you have. Oh, some drunk knocks a painting off the wall and it breaks. Yeah, interesting. I, I don't have no idea. I just just occurred to me. Yeah, that is an interesting question. I have to ask around on that one. Mm-hmm. So getting back to what's on the tap list, another question you might hear is, you know, I, I like everything on your menu, but why don't you make an, a this? A blank. And, wow, I'm guilty of like every single thing on this list the more I read it. <sighs> because I do that all the time. Why don't you make this? Or I really like that, but couldn't you have made it without the the fruity adjunct you put in and made a pure version of, of so-and-so? Mm-hmm. Why doesn't your stout have coffee in it? How do you patiently smile and and as you're being told that you could be doing it better by someone who does not own a beer business <laughs> right and they have no no skin in the game who here loves to be told how to do their job raise their hand <laughs> yeah yeah from people who have no there, there's no fallout or negative repercussions from <laughs> you know deciding to make a a, a gooseberry shandy <laughs> Uh, so you know what? When I think shandy, I think gooseberries. <laughs> gooseberry. There's there's a limerick there. I just have to figure out how to put it into words. Uh, gooseberry shandy. So yeah, why do you know? Answering that requires just um, you know. There, there's a number of ways you can turn that one around on on your consumer. Oh, we had one of those last week, and we were we ran out. Where were you, man? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like, you know that's what? always good i am i'm gonna make i'm gonna make that exact right i thank god you came in today because that never occurred to me or we you know we uh we, we've got our our pattern for the season but that's an interesting idea uh you know and, and you know relating this back to one of the earlier questions you know interesting we aren't going down that path but you know what you might like if you want something like this is this one over here hmm. so if if you're Staff is is skilled enough to be able to do that, and you get back to do the do you have anything that tastes like X? Try to to, to steer them towards something that's um, that may be along their line of of taste, even if you don't have that particular beer. It could be as simple as you know whether it's the brewer answering the question or someone else. Oh, oh man, no, our brewer can't stand that kind of beer. Yeah, <laughs> I forget who it was who once told me they would never brew a sour. It just it just wasn't going to happen. I can see that, and I've I know there's a couple of breweries around here, well, at least in the Madison, Chicago area. All they do is lagers. They won't touch an ale if it's not a lager. They won't make it, and they do well. They do really well, even in this climate with you know all the crazy uh, ale brewing that's going on. I good for them. Stick to your guns. Absolutely, absolutely. And we, we've talked many times about that: the balance of of market forces versus you know, passion and doing what you want to do as a brewer and trying to find that balance. Uh, and, and sometimes that's the answer. Yeah, we're we're never going to make something like that. No. Yeah. <laughs> but we've got other stuff you may like. Mm-hmm. All right, so sometimes you get someone that actually says, what kind of hops are in this beer? And you better know the answer <laughs> when they ask the question. Yeah, that's got to be a really common one, yeah? I, mean... I would think so. Maybe that touches on, you know, uh, from an earlier episode where we were talking about the fact that hop companies are marketing to the directly to the consumer now. It's like this is the you got to have beer with this particular variety of hop in it because I don't know it's trendy. I I, I don't know, but it's a thing. 
<laughs> so mm-hmm. I can only imagine the amount of questions that that servers and taproom workers get. You know, what hops are in this? And you see it often on beer menus now that they talk about what they'll use words like, you know, this is dry hopped with such and such or this has generous amounts of this one. Breweries have learned that by putting that out there, it, it's going to trigger some people. Ooh, this has crystal. I've had other things with crystal that I know I liked. Yeah, there's that. And I think that's that's how maybe some people are making their decisions. But there's so much more to the beer than the hops, right? So you mm-hmm. don't see, hey, this is a finely crafted, you know, amber, and we use only the best caramel 20 malt. And, you know, that means not much to people as... as as hops do and it's i don't know why it's is it because it's sexy is it i i don't know what won't it be interesting if over time that changes and people are much more curious about the yeast and the malt than they are about the hops or, or there becomes an equal footing there where you because you never see that on a beer menu it uses this kind of yeast right well they, they may say you know it uses belgian yeast that produces a row flavors of clove and banana or something like that right so that means something but then they'll say "Ooh, i like belgian yeast so but there's more than one kind of belgian yeast <laughs> i don't brings know. out the brings out the yangling flavor yes it. exactly the yangling yangling <laughs> yeah it, it would be interesting to see if if that side of the ingredients turns into something a little more hot the the and in case you forgot james this is the hopnology podcast so we want oh. to talk about the hops oh right yes hops um, yeah, this isn't the yeast knowledge podcast. Yeast, not that, yeast knowledge. Well, that and, just sounds like an infection. And the, um, and the and you've got great names in hops, right? It's and you can do quick, you know, identifiers with mosaic and topaz and constellation, but yeast has names like SR zero one seven one B. Just rolls off the tongue. Well, there's um. Uh, I was at a brewery the other day that's using um, Huel Melon oh, hops, yeah. yep. and they're they've got a colch that they're calling Melon it over. Nice. <laughs> so it, it's it, to your point, you can use these names and do fun things with them. Uh, you're right; the yeast names are, are boring and scientific. Mm-hmm. Kind of like you. Yes, exactly like me. <laughs> boring and scientific. You think I'd Ooh. you'd think I'd like it more? That's the name of this episode: boring and scientific. <laughs> <laughs> Writing that down. So, so what kind of hops are in this? And, you know, going back to that example I mentioned earlier, the, the farmhouse ale I tried, I actually, the question I asked was, what kind of yeast is in this? And that's interesting. If you ask what kind of hops are in this, you're, usually your server should know the answer to that. Ask them what kind of yeast is in this. They're going to have to go get someone and ask that question. And even then, is it going to, I don't know, what's it going to mean? I, I don't know. To the to the consumer, I mean, to unless you're a unless you're a home brewer or a brewer yourself, right? And and that actually brings us to our next question, which is, as a home brewer, you're either the favorites of the um, the folks that work at the brew pub, or you're the bane of their existence. Because there's the inevitable, hey, I've got this great home brew. Would you consider serving it, right? Or making my recipe? Yeah, that's that's more of the hey, you know, let's collaborate. Yeah, like you know. I appreciate it, but to that extent, I know there's several brewers, certainly in this neck of the woods, that that hold contests. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hey, the winner gets to have their brew beard on our system. We'll serve it in our taproom. And I think it comes down to having a controlled 
a controlled plan. You know, we always talk about planning when it comes to harvest and all that. If you've got a plan around engaging the community and doing a homebrew contest and then serving that homebrewed beer um, that you are producing, there's all kinds of laws, I'm sure, about bringing in something someone made in their basement and serving it in your, on your tap. Oh, yeah. Uh, so be be cognizant of, of and that's your easy out is, you know, there are there are food safety rules here I have to abide by, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, Thank you for sharing, but no. But yeah, if you run a homebrew contest and you make someone else's recipe, think about the volume of their friends who are going to come in and try that beer and and the local goodwill that that grants you. That's a great, great thing, and you do see that quite often. That That's the list of, uh, of, of questions that I had that at least for me, and I've, I've asked almost all of those questions myself over my lifetime of brewers, what did we miss there? Anything that you can think of? No, but I'd be curious to hear what other people mm-hmm. have either asked or they hear asked or uh, just annoys the hell out of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, tell us because we could all commiserate together. So please ping us with your most observed and maybe least uh, liked uh, questions that one hears uh, when in a tap room or brewery or what have you. Mm-hmm. And look, you know, James and I, we're in, we're in this industry, and yet I go and I sit at a, at a bar, and I'm talking to the, the owner of a brewery, and they, they live and breathe. This is their business. This is their life. I'm sh- I never know what the balance is there between, well, I can give them some advice based on things that I know from being in the industry versus they don't want to hear me tell them how to do their job. Oh, no. <laughs> so at what point am I sharing valuable information and at what point am I just being an asshole? Yep. Um, I think I'm going to let it, that one just lay right there. I don't want to hear your response to that, uh, that question. Fair enough. Boy, I just had something. I lost it again. I am on a roll today. 